Welcome to episode 346 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always. This week, this is great, man. We've got Lejean Witherspoon of Seven Dust here on the podcast. Very, very cool. This would be the second member of Seven Dust that has joined this podcast, but it's been quite a while since the last. I'll talk about that here in a bit. And I also need to let you know why I've been missing here for a little bit. If you're a follower of the podcast, you'll notice that the last episode was... It's been a few weeks. I'll speak on that shortly here as well. But let's just jump into it and let you know who the sponsors are. That would be DEB Concerts, a promoter based right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They keep bringing great acts to this area. They've been doing it for years now. This past month was a big one. They had Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube at the BOK Center two nights in a row. And then just a few days ago, at the end of April, they had... The Metal Tour of the Year here, Megadeth, Lamb of God, and In Flames. And I heard from many people that both those shows were excellent. Coming up, August 20th at the BOK Center, Poison will be making its return to Tulsa, excuse me, along with Tom Kiefer of Cinderella fame and L.A. Guns. A great triple bill if you love the glam rock era of the 80s and early 90s. This is the show for you. All three of those bands put on great shows. Check out the info at BOKCenter.com. Also, DEBConcerts.com. You can be kept up to date on everything they're doing. And, of course, we let you know here as soon as we find out as well. Speaking of upcoming stuff, the Rocklahoma announcement should be coming soon. And DEB Concerts books the Roadhouse stage every year there. We'll be talking about that as soon as it's released and maybe... Maybe we'll even get Doug Burgess back on here to talk about it like we have the last couple years. So be on the lookout for that. We've also got MedFarm. It's a dispensary located in Broken Air, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51. They're right off the highway. They've got a great selection. You can see it all at leafly.com. Their website is medfarmok.com. Follow them on their socials, MedFarm on Facebook, P-H-A-R-M, and on Instagram, MedFarmOK. They're always running specials on Facebook, so you don't want to miss that. One of the specials that they are always running is if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order, which is very cool. Most importantly, though, 30% of the proceeds that they make at all times go to build no-kill animal shelters. So you can't really beat that. I mean, I know there's tons of options around this area. Wherever you're at in the Tulsa area, you can make it to Med Farm within 20 minutes, and it's a great cause. You get 10% off no matter what, and 30 of your money is going to... A great cause. You can't beat that either. So check out Med Farm and tell them you heard about them on Thunder Underground. We've also got Sunset Tattoo, a dispensary located in Midtown Tulsa. Tattoos are done good and proper. They are state licensed. Most importantly, they are mother approved. 25 plus years of experience. Great work from this place. Jake does great tattoos. I know because I've had work done by him before and I know that I'll have work done by him again in the near future. You can get on Facebook, Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, or Instagram at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa to see photos of all the work, all different styles across the board. Shoot them an email, call in, whatever you need to do to set up a time to talk about what you need to have done. He also accepts walk-ins. So hit up Sunset Tattoo and tell him you heard about him right here on Thunder Underground. All right. Well, it's good to be back. My last episode was... I don't remember the date. It was either the end of March or the very beginning of April. Did a tribute to to Taylor Hawkins. Jason 
my former co-host was here. He left uh, the podcast last summer, but he came back to help me celebrate the life of Taylor Hawkins. So if you missed that episode, check it out. But in the meantime, if you've been listening to this for a while, you might know that I work in the live event industry. So when it comes spring and summer and fall, you know, the podcasts sometimes aren't weekly, but usually, you know, it's at least every other week. However, every once in a while, I'm gone for a chunk of time. Like April, I was out in California working two weekends of Coachella and the Stagecoach Festival. So that, and the weekend before that, a festival in North Carolina called Dreamville. So it's kind of packed there for a minute. I'm back here for a little bit before I head out again next week. But I bring those up because, you know, I talk about seeing live music and I didn't get to see a ton this time around, but I saw a couple of acts, one of them very significant. Well, both of them are significant in my life, but one of them very significant in the fact that most people haven't had a chance to see him. And that would be Danny Elfman. It's one of those things that I never really, I think I posted this on social media that it, you know, I've got a short list of bucket list artists that I have not been able to see that are like high up on that list. Danny Elfman would have been on that list, but I just never really considered it a possibility because like the first, the first weekend at Coachella, I believe that was his first live show in 27 years. And I saw him the second weekend. So his second show back after all that time. And I doubt I haven't heard anything that he's doing more. Maybe this will give him the itch to play more shows. Who knows? But it was just a, a really cool experience because it was kind of exactly what you might expect from Danny Elfman. It, there was a 20-piece orchestra and a full rock band on stage, and it encompassed everything. All the Oingo Boingo songs and all the movie scores, you know, the, the songs that people know from movies. And the, the audience from the performance I saw, you know, you could tell it was a, a mixed bag of people that, you know, there was obviously some people that were just there out of curiosity, but there was, you could tell the people that were there when he would go into an Oingo Boingo, excuse me, every time I try to say that fast, I can't say it, but anytime he'd go into an Oingo song, there was a, you know, a subset of people, including a guy right next to me that would just go nuts, which is awesome. You know, they're seeing music that they haven't been able to see live since the mid nineties at the latest or at the most recent. And, and then when he would go into any of the movie songs, you'd get a response from another section of the fans. Just to incorporate them all together flawlessly was beautiful. Don't have a set list pulled up, but you know, he played, I think it was like five or six Oingo songs. And then he played songs from movies such as Batman, Spider-Man, Edward Scissorhands, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. He played a medley of songs from The Nightmare Before Christmas, which was huge to me because I absolutely love that movie. I think I think it was four songs put together and it had, you know, all the graphics on screen to go with it. And Danny, of course, did all the vocals for Jack Skellington because he did for the score. And then, you know, most of the movie stuff, of course, was instrumental without vocals. But then he also did... The Simpsons theme song, which anyone that knows me knows that I am a massive, massive fan of The Simpsons. If you ever come to my house, you can see my weird collection of Simpsons stuff. And that had a little breakdown in the middle where it got a little weird there for like 45 seconds to a minute. But it was a, you know, I mean, it was just cool across the board. Like 
And as soon as that ended, you know, he goes directly into an Oingo song and it all just works out great. His, and his band included Wes Borland of Limp Biscuit, which if you're a casual fan and you think that sounds weird, do your research. Wes Borland is a badass guitarist. That's all there is to say. Josh Freeze was on the drums. Guns N' Roses is my favorite band of all time. Josh Freeze was in Guns N' Roses for a little bit during the Chinese democracy area. Also, the replacements and a bunch of other great stuff throughout the years. Just for the rock band, the orchestra. I mean, that's been done many times throughout the years. You know, Metallica, Dream Theater, Scorpions have done that with their own music. But to see it done with original score music mixed with Rock songs worked great, and Danny, whenever he wasn't performing and singing, playing guitar and singing, if it was a, a movie song, he would. If it wasn't the Nightmare Before Christmas one, he would turn around and just watch the show like the rest of us, which I thought was very cool. He didn't even go... I don't think he went off stage. The times I noticed, he was just standing there watching. So, just very, very cool experience. If If he does play more shows and it's anywhere within a driving distance of you, I implore you to go check that out. The guy is, what, around 70-something, and he still looks in better shape than most of us that are, well, I'm not half his age, but people that are more than half his age don't look that, you know, good in shape, so more power to him. The next weekend at Stagecoach, I saw the Black Crows. This is the first time I've seen them since they came back with their quote-unquote reunion. I remember when Jason was still around, we had a little discussion about this when it was first announced, and I, if I remember right, I kind of went on a little tirade about it. But, you know, some time's passed, and, you know, I'm not dumb. I know, you know, they're doing this because it's a good moneymaker, and I've never faulted bands. I always crack up when people say stupid things like they're doing it for the money because this is the music business. Of course they're doing it for the money. You know, they're not up there playing for free just because they love the music, which I know a lot of people do love the music at a smaller level, but that's a totally different discussion. It's well documented, the issues that the brothers and the Black Crows have had throughout the years. And, you know, I, you know, I've read some interviews after they got back together, and I think Rich Robinson made a statement about how the reasoning why they didn't bring anybody else back, all the members throughout the years. You know, I'm, I am one of those people that's still kind of butthurt they didn't bring back Steve Gorman, but I, I understand why they didn't bring back some of the other guys that they had splintered off into their own projects throughout the years. But with all that being said, they put on a great show. They sounded great. It was a great set list. It incorporated some, of course, all the hits because they're playing a country music festival. So they got to play songs that the crowd knows. But then they played Sting Me from Southern Harmony. Dragging my heart or kicking my heart around from, uh, Lions, just stuff that, you know, isn't obvious songs that they would play. And Charlie Starr from Blackberry Smoke was on stage, which is even cooler. And the funny thing about this is my former co-host, Jason, messaged me and mentioned it to me after I sent him a picture and told him I saw him. Said that that's cool that Charlie Starr was up there with him, and I didn't even notice. You know, I wasn't up front. I was back near the soundboard watching it. But after he said that, and I'm looking through my photos, and there's a photo that there's a picture of Charlie Starr on the big screen playing his day. So anyway, it just, I wasn't looking for it because I wasn't, you know, expecting anything like that. But speaking of Blackberry Smoke, just a couple weeks ago, they put out an EP 
called Stoned, which is seven Rolling Stones covers. And they shied away from the big hits, which I love it when bands do that. Blackberry Smoke has an excellent, somewhere between southern rock and country sound, and they nailed these Stone songs. If you've never followed them, check that EP out. You won't be disappointed if you're a Stones fan, I promise. Well, let's see. There's a lot of music that's came out in the past month, and I'm not really going to get into all that. I'm hoping maybe in the next few episodes I can kind of go over some of those in a little more detail. The new Rammstein album, I'm loving it. The new Motor Sister album, their second full-length album. Man, that thing crushes as well. Jim Wilson from Motor Sister has been on here multiple times, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have him back here in the near future to talk about this new album. If you're not familiar with Motor Sister, it features Jim Wilson of Mother Sister, Mother Sister, excuse me, Mother Superior on vocals and guitar. It features Scott Ian of Anthrax on guitar, Joey Vera of Armored Saint on bass, John Tempesta of The Cult, White Zombie and Testament on drums, and Pearl Day, who is best known as being Pearl Day with her solo music. She is also Scott Ian's wife. She's also the daughter of the late, great Meatloaf. This band is a killer, killer, killer supergroup. The first album was unbelievable, and the second album, I can already tell, is going to be one of those albums that sticks with me throughout the year. So more on that, hopefully soon. Also, Black Swan put out their second album. I've got the chance to listen to that once. I'm digging it. I'll be delving into that more as well. Man, what else? I know uh, Kirk Hammett put out a solo EP, his first solo EP. Very cool stuff. It's instrumental. Check that out. It's very cool because it sounds, it has a Metallica sounds at times because of his guitar playing, but the songs never sound like Metallica, which is exactly what you want from solo music. Anyway, I know there's other stuff, but not going to get in all that. Let's just cut to the chase here. Seven Dust. They kicked off their Animosity tour. They're doing Animosity in its entirety. They kicked it off in March in Oklahoma City. I was at the show, the kickoff show. We spoke a little bit about that. I believe it was, I don't remember the episode number, but it would have been right after that. So it was probably episode 344 or 343. I did a lengthy review of that show that also included Tetrarch opening them up, so check that out for a full review of the kickoff of this tour. But we recorded this show, or this uh, interview when he was on the phone, or excuse me, when they were on tour, he called and we did it over the phone. But if you're a Seven Dust fan, you're obviously a fan of Animosity. This is a band that doesn't put out bad albums. They've been around 25 years now on a you know, on a major label level. Their debut album came out in 97. And, you know, of course, anybody that follows a band like that, they're going to have albums that you like better than others. But Seven Dust on their worst day is better than most bands on their best day. And that that is extremely a relevant statement when it comes to the live show. There are very few bands that are consistently flawless, in my opinion, Every time you see them, it's Seven Dust is one of those bands. I had the opportunity to see them in 1997 when they were first hit the mainstream. They were on the Roar Tour. It came through Tulsa. I actually believe I brought that up in this this interview. I had the chance to meet LeJean that day. 
I met him a couple times since. And then, of course, this talk here. He's always a very, very nice person, a very, very humble human being. And that goes without saying you. I've known other people that's met him. I read about it on social media. There's never a bad word said about this man, how gracious he is to fans. You hear it in the live setting, you know, when he talks about the fans. And it never comes across as just like someone making a cliche statement. This is a band that's always been about their following. I can never stress enough how much people need to grasp onto amazing music like this. If you're a Seven Dust fan, once again, I assume you are, you're still listening. Their guitarist, John Connolly, was on this podcast. Man, it's been a few years ago now. Episode 119. And a funny story about that is, I I know I told this back then, and I don't know if me and Jason ever spoke about it on the show again since, so I'll bring it up now, but episode 116 of this podcast was with Gene Simmons of KISS. And at that point, well, and probably still to this point, it's probably the biggest single name, quote unquote, rock star that has been on the podcast. You know, I've been lucky enough that we've had a few other Rock and Roll Hall of Fame members, some other big time people like Dee Snyder, and, you know, I don't need to go into the list. But after that episode, it made a lot of news, not just on the normal sites that pick up our stuff like Blabbermouth and Brave Words and whatnot, but even... Sites like Alternative Press and other publications that normally wouldn't touch anything that this humble little podcast puts out. But the story ran because of, you know, some comments Gene had made about the fans being the problem with the music industry and the state of how artists make money and all that. And, you know, he said it in a way that made sense. But of course, people are going to disagree. I mean, people disagree with Gene Simmons all the time. But I will go on record right now as saying that he was super awesome to me and Jason. I'll say that, take that to my grave. And I appreciated that because of the reputation that he's had throughout the years. But anyway, the point of all that is, is that after all this news came out, John Connolly made a lengthy post on his social media disputing what Gene Simmons had said. So I reached out to John directly and said, hey, I'm the podcast that Gene had said this stuff on, would you like to come on and talk about your side of this? And he said, absolutely. So he came on. We spoke about that. And of course, Seven Dust and many other things. And it was a great like 45 minute talk. It's still to this day, one of the ones I bring up when people ask, what are some of your favorite episodes? Because it just felt, it's one of those, those earlier ones that felt, you know, like a natural conversation to me. And I, you know, I appreciated that. And Anyway, if you're a 7S fan, go back and check that one out. This one that we're about to get into with Lejean is a little different because this one, the connection was bad. I'm going to say this up front. He called and we lost connection twice before we got the thing going. And then when we did get it going, you can kind of, early in it, you can kind of tell, you know, his voice is slightly muffled. It might cut out a slight bit, but you can, you know, I'm going to mess with the audio, but I believe you can, you can at least tell what he's saying. And as it gets into it, you know, it clears up a little bit, but Hey, these guys are on the road. I believe they were in Anaheim at the house of blues whenever Lejean called in. So when people are on the road, you can't ever, you don't know what 
how the connection is going to be if it's on the phone or on Zoom or whatever. So I just appreciate the fact that it happened. We got through it. So let's jump into this right now. Here's LeJean Witherspoon of Seven Dust. was at the opening night show in Oklahoma City, and you guys oh, man, what a- sounded perfect, so I just wonder how much rehearsal time went into you know, preparing to play this album in its entirety. Uh, we rehearsed at the Diamond Room that the night before we played it, and uh, that was all. <laughs> wow. So thank you, thank you very much for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't ready, but you know what I'm saying? Fuck it, let's go live. Let's just have a good time. And, you know, it's a live show. And it's 21 years ago, man. It, it just The night has been magical ever since. It's like, it's just a good night. So all the shows since, like, over this past week and a half have gone great with crowd response and everything? Oh, man. It's sold out shows. People singing every last song, crying, yelling, happiness. I mean, it's just been a, it's really been a good run. And I'm not just saying it's a, it's just a certain kind of energy itself. Well, just kind of speaking on that first show for a second, do you do you still get jitters or anything when you're kicking off a tour the first night? Oh, yeah. That's a good thing. That's a good feeling. That lets me know that something's right. Right. You still have that energy. And I feel like, you know, I still don't ever want that to leave because then it's just boring if it gets to that point. Yeah. Were there any songs on this album that have never been played live? Oh, my God. Live again. Uh, let's see. Uh, several of them that we haven't played before. Yeah, so it's really cool to be able to get back in and revisit these songs every night. Wow. What, like, when you look back at this album after 21 years, like, what do you feel or what do you find most special about it, whether it be that time period or even just looking back at the songs now? I just can't believe that these songs manifested. It's just something that people wanted to hear in its entirety 21 years later. What a blessing. Uh, and these songs are still strong and they have meaning. And uh, That's something I always wanted to do, to write music that had meaning and I would be able to sing it years later, you know? So uh, it, 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 it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, it's really cool, man. I, I'm very proud of my band. I'm very proud of, I don't say fans, the seven of us family that have kept us going this whole time that are there. And I kind of feel like we've grown up together. So us going back 21 years, they go back to the time that they were, you know, we were all kids at that time, man. I feel like the, it was the seven dust fraternity and sorority. That, that, that was, a, that was our seven dust as our college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For a lot of those people. Well, saying, you know, you guys were in your twenties and you know, this is 21 years later. Like, so the songs still hold the same meaning to you. Cause I know people's, you know, thought process values, everything changes. Like, does everything still feel the same to you when you sing those words? Oh, no. Some of the songs definitely have manifested into, you know, completely different meanings and stories for people. And for me, too, some of the songs have not changed completely, but definitely have, have, have had more meaning. And I could, I could put a song like Angel Sun, not only for the person that I wrote about Lynn Strait, but now, you know, not after that. I, I, that song means you know, my, my little brother, my, my grandmother, my grandfather, you know, anyone that has passed, that song is, 
has, has hands on it. That makes sense. So yeah. You know, maybe Angel Sun, but is can you pinpoint a song on the album that's the most special to you? Uh, sign. The sign, sign. All of them are very special to me. A very important song. I wrote that about my little brother that passed away. So yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Well, when you, I know you guys, you know, you did the same thing with the debut album in its entirety. Are there any? Is there any chance we could see this for seasons next year? <laughs> I, you know what? That's exactly. That's one of my favorite albums. That's the one we want to do it on too. So, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, that's an album that I've always, you know, I've I've always been drawn to. I mean, it no, it kind of stands out as a little bit different in the Seven Us catalog because Butch Walker, you know. Yeah, I was just say Butch did that. Yeah, great work with Butch. Yeah, like, what are your memories of working with him as a producer? Everything being awesome and him being my buddy and knowing him for years. Now, I love Butch, his work, his, the way he works is just incredible. And we had a good time as kids. I would love to work with him again, you know, one day in the future. Are there any albums past seasons that, you know, you personally would really love to play in its entirety? Man, uh, I'll love them, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. I would like to do it. I think, I think it's a thing. I think it would be something good if we were able to do all the albums in their entirety. I guess, you know, you guys are on that rate of, like, having an album every two or three years. If you could do an anniversary tour every couple of years now for the next 15 years. <laughs> there you go. That's the plan, brother. Set it up. I'll sign up for that. Right. <laughs> well, another big part of the Animosity Tour is Tetrarch, and Diamond Row was on this podcast last summer, and I really like what this band's doing, and I saw a photo of you wearing her shirt yesterday, so I'm assuming you oh, yeah. really enjoy this band as well. Oh, yeah, I like it. And Diamond's great, man. They're great, great kids. They've been really cool to have out on the road, and I, I really admire her uh, talent and her stepping out into the metal world, being a woman, a young black woman on top of that. And so it's, uh, it's really cool to see it happen out here. Do you guys as a band, like, collectively seek out bands like that to be openers, or do you have a management handle that kind of thing? Yeah, we still seek out and looking for bands like Dan Ford Society. We love those bands, get that band, and definitely want to get on the road. So, yeah, we, we definitely still have our hands on who we got to bring up. Gotcha. Well, we've, like I mentioned a minute ago, you guys are kind of on that every two or three years on a new album, and this year would be two years from the most recent album. Can we expect a new Seven Dust album in the next year or so? Uh, absolutely. We're writing on it right now. So, <laughs> okay. We'll be uh, getting back studio and uh, taking our time but yeah we're already starting the writing process and it's already some good stuff okay do you guys write while you're out on the road or is that an exclusively whenever you're off the road uh, people write on the road but uh a lot of we do it at home but it depends on what's going on like right now it's been kind of hectic so we're just trying to wrap our head around this tour but i'm sure on the next one i'll be writing on the road okay when well, speaking of new music i know you've been working on your solo album for a bit now like speaking of the the writing process, most Seven Dust songs seem to be collaborations. Like, have you written the solo album by yourself, or are you writing this with anybody? Okay, uh, man, I've written with uh, Mint Sahad from the band Ross, our, our writing partners. Uh, just recently, I went to Nashville, and I wrote with uh, the Four Horsemen writing group. And then also, I just got back from Nashville, and I wrote with my buddy, uh, country music artist Jimmy Allen. Me and him wrote several songs for my album. So yeah, I'm just you know having fun working with a couple of people, and uh, still got. Um, uh, I look forward to going back to Nashville. I think I'm gonna be working with my buddy David Ryan Harris, who's a, a great solo artist that was from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. That's in John Mayer's band, and uh, so yeah, we're gonna do some writing there. 
Okay. What's, I mean, I know that, you know, we heard that song love song from you a few years ago. Is this, is that kind of the direction this album would be in you think, or is that more? No, just- oh, it's got some, it's got some heavy stuff. It's got some whole soulful stuff. It's got some country twang, but soulful. Uh, it's just a, it's a collaboration of just everything that I like to be musically. Gotcha. Is that something you think if there's the, if the time's available from seven dust, do you think you would do solo shows? Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to see what people are talking about. They already tried to book me. I was going to go on a couple of those, not shipwalk solo, but uh, I forget. Uh, a winter ship asked me to do my solo thing, and I was going to go out there on the Fozzy boat, too. So hopefully by next year, I'll be able to do all my solo. So. Awesome. So that's uh, is that something you expect this year, or it might be in 2023? I, I Who knows? Hopefully I'll be able to do it this year. We'll see what, when things start to slow down. Well, going way back, the first time I ever saw you guys live was on the Roar Tour in 1997, which, you know, looking back, you guys kind of stuck out of that tour, you know, because all those were kind of those 90s alternative bands. Do you have any positive memories of that that summer tour? Man, what a fun time. We were carefree kids. I mean, just having a blast, man. Everybody, we were young. We didn't have wives kids or anything, we don't imagine we're that would be something fun. All the bands, all the bands are great. So yeah, that was that was definitely a time to remember. I still, I wish that we had tours like that still to today. Yeah, that's one thing I missed from the '90s and early 2000s is those tours like that, and you know the Lollapalooza and Ozfest tours and everything. Final question for you: I absolutely loved your guys' cover of "The Day I Tried to Live," and I think. Cornell is one of those guys that is obviously hard to to capture if you're doing a cover song, but I think you nailed it because you stayed true to yourself and the spirit of that original song. Thank you. That's what that's what I do. I mean, I can't sing like Cornell. Yeah, and I had to, I had to go in. I, I, I looked at it about his legacy, how he made me feel, uh, what he's done for the music industry, how his, his music will live on forever, and not only that. Uh, just uh, then, I thought about him being a father, me being a father, and thinking about how sad it was for him to go the way that he did, and his beautiful family, you know, there. And that's the one that CD, and I think it's like that. That's what the emotion that came out with all that. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, loving everything you guys have been doing throughout the years, and I really appreciate you taking the time for me today. Well, thank you, brother. I look forward to seeing my friend. There you go, Lejean Witherspoon of Seven Dust. A huge thank you to Kevin of PFA Media. And of course, a huge thank you to Lejean for taking some time out there to give a call while Seven Dust is on the road. I believe that, I know that first leg of the tour obviously ended in, I believe it was early April, mid-April, and then they kicked off a second leg that I know was in May, so I should have looked this up, but I believe they're on the road right now still doing this. If you get a chance at all to check it out, Animosity in its entirety plus an encore of a few other songs. Can't go wrong with that. I mean, I love when bands do albums in their entirety, especially when it's not, oh, we're just doing this one album because it was our biggest album, which is fine as well, but I appreciate that Seven Dust has now done this with a couple different albums, and like LeJean said in there, I'd like to do it with any of their albums. I hope they do it with Seasons. Man, I, I'm really, I'm still distraught that I missed the, when they did the 20th anniversary of the debut album, I wasn't able to make it to one of those shows. You know, I know they still play. Of course, they play 
those songs live, a few of them here and there. Of course, Black and Bitch are usually in there, but just to see that thing in its entirety would have been amazing for me. But any of these albums would be. So I hope that happens. Looking forward to LeJean's solo album. Can't wait till that hits the shelves. And all that great stuff. Once again, episode 119. If you're a Seven Dust fan, check out John Connolly. There's 340, what, five episodes before this one you can check out if you haven't before. Like I mentioned earlier, Gene Simmons of Kiss. We've also had on other Rock and Roll Hall of Fame members like Glenn Hughes of Deep Purple and many other great bands. Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses. Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard and Dio. Dee Snyder's been on here. Frank Hannon of Tesla has been on here several times. Kirk Winstein of Crowbar and Down has been on here a couple times. We've had on members of Megadeth. You like Thrash? We've had on members of Megadeth, Toxic Holocaust, um, Death Angel. Why am I drawing a blank? I know there's several other ones. Battlecross. Testament. Alex Skolnick has been on here. We've had on members of Prong, Typo Negative, White Zombie, Corrosion Conformity. Shooter Jennings has been on here. We've had on Vanilla Ice. I mean, shit gets crazy sometimes. Chris Brown Taylor of Trapped was on here, and he I'm pretty sure he was drunk. So check that out if you're feeling saucy. It's all there. TheThunderUnderground.com. You can listen right there. You can follow all the socials. You can listen pretty much anywhere podcasts are heard. Wherever you listen, subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Follow us on the socials, like I said. Anytime you see a post, if you like, share, or comment, that's an easy, free way to help out this podcast. I believe the next episode is going to be a tribute to Trevor of the Black Dahlia murder. If you are unaware, he passed away a few days ago. And he was on this podcast at the beginning of 2019. Jason and I interviewed him when Black Dahlia murder was in Tulsa. I'm going to repost that interview, you know, reissue it, or whatever the correct terminology is in the podcast world, we're going to revisit it. How about that? That'll be the very next episode in honor of the loss of one of heavy music's good people, quote unquote. Never heard a bad word about this guy. He always emitted positivity. Super cool guy to talk to. So we're going to be talking more about that on the very next episode. There's also a few things that are scheduled that I will be happy to tell you about as soon as they happen. All right, enough for this time. It's good to be back, and we'll talk to you soon. Once again, a huge thank you to Medfarm, DEB Concerts, and Sunset Tattoo, PFA Media, and of course, Lejean of Seven Dust. And until next time. I'm good, man. So uh, he's in Anaheim, California, playing the House of Blues, the new House of Blues, first on the play here. And it's a nightmare. It's a beautiful venue, but getting into it, guess what? Ain't gonna happen. (laughs) Thunder Underground, y'all.